Amen. I thought of the story of Samuel when he's a kid, and he hears God calling out to him, and he's told to say, uh, speak, Lord, for your servant listens. And I decided to say that while I was praying. I just said it out loud. I said, speak, Lord, for your servant listens. And then my phone dinged. Like, I had gotten a text. And I was like, okay, that's weird. It was like perfect timing, right? So, and then I checked my phone, and I didn't get a text. There was like nothing. And my phone was on silent. It was super bizarre. I was like, okay, okay. And then just like this wave, it, it, it hit me. I just got the idea of what I was going to do. I knew what, that, you know, this is the path I want to take. Uh, I'm going to focus on just getting one of those majors. Just focus on that one. Get done early. Uh, that way, you know, get married, can graduate, get my degree, get my job. And I knew exactly, exactly where to go from there. So I had this, this epiphany, this moment of light and realization. So this Sunday is known as Epiphany Sunday. And it's officially the end of Christmas. Uh, this is usually the time where you're now allowed to take down your tree. My mom would always extend it, and people would say, Christmas is over. Why is your tree up? And she said, the wise men haven't come yet. So, so now is the official time. Though the last time Shelby and I had a tree up, it was up until May. So, <clears throat> so let's hope we're done sooner this time. Uh, so this, uh, this word epiphany uh, for this case means a manifestation or a revealing, presenting of God to the world in Jesus Christ. We usually think of this word as this moment of realization and discovery. And this holiday is recognized as the wise men coming to see the baby Jesus, this, this initial exposure, presenting of God to the Gentiles and people from faraway places. And the Eastern Church actually celebrates this as the, the day of Jesus' baptism. And the moment where he officially begins his mission of redeeming the world. This, this other moment of this initiation of him revealing himself. So both, both are very important events for this time. In our reading from the prophet Isaiah, we're given this really important announcement. And it sounds like someone's shouting it from a rooftop, right? He's out there saying, arise, shine, for your light has come. And this is a major turning point for Isaiah because the previous chapter, chapter 59, uh, is really gloomy. It's all about darkness and evil and oppression, the absence of peace and justice. So now there's this, there's this shift in, in this here where he just pulls this 180, this complete, this complete new thing, this, this light has come. It's like the arrival of the sun after a long, dark night. And he then says, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And this darkness being the evil and oppression that he had spoken of in the previous chapter is this result of sin in the world. But the Lord will will arise upon you. In John 8, Jesus says uh, that I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It is through Christ that this light is brought into the world and the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. 
Isaiah says that nations will come into your light. This light that God brings to the people of Israel will become a light for people from all over. People will be drawn into this light. I was talking to my dad earlier this week about this idea of the light drawing us, and he, he had said that, you know, with most people, whenever he asks someone how they became a Christian, how they found Christ, uh, they rarely tend to say that they just happened upon it or something they just stumbled into or I read this book and I thought, hey, that sounds right for me. It's usually this moment of drawing in. There's this, this moment of this calling and this feeling of, of being urged towards something. There's something that drives us towards this light. And we see this, see this in this instance of nations coming into light being fulfilled when these wise men come. And these men from faraway places are following this star, this light in the sky. They're being drawn by it. And when they find the place, Matthew says that they are overwhelmed with joy. In T.S. Eliot's poem, The Journey of the Magi, he tells the story of these men. And he says that uh, finding the place, it was, you may say, satisfactory. And by satisfactory, here he means fulfilling all needs and expectations. They left satisfied, without want. After this, he says, we returned to our places, these kingdoms, but no longer at ease here. They return to their homes different. They're changed somehow, in some way. And they say that when they come home, they are with an alien people. And these men from different nations come into this light and are transformed and changed. And this change is the mystery that Paul talks about in Ephesians. Is this mystery is that he is saying the mystery of Christ, which is that the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers of the same promise. The light that has come to the people of Israel has also come to the Gentiles, people from all over the world. And when we are brought into this light, we are changed. When we're brought into this light, we become fellow heirs and sharers of the same promise. This promise of redemption, of peace, and justice, which was once for the people of Israel, is now being fulfilled for everyone. When we come into this light, Isaiah says, you shall see and be radiant. Matthew 5, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. When you come into this light, you become a member of the body of Christ. And now his light shines in you. You radiate with his light. Christ has made us heirs to God's kingdom, where we may see God's glory face to face. C.S. Lewis says that the Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. So what does it mean for us? to have this light? And how might we reflect this light and reflect the glory of Jesus to those around us? The first is that this light guides us. It imparts wisdom and understanding. Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
last week or about a week and a half ago, we had that storm, crazy, I think there was a tornado warning too, uh, but the, uh, the power in my apartment went out and I was just left in this room of darkness and silence and I could not find my way around at all trying to stumble through the apartment. Uh, but fortunately, I had the equivalent of a lamp, an iPhone, <laughs> our modern-day innovation of a lamp, right? And uh, with this, I was able to see where I was going. I was able to find my way through the apartment uh, without tripping on anything or stubbing my toe on a door, uh, which was very fortunate. Uh, but when Christ's light shines in us, it's something similar to that in a way. Because he guides us towards his plan for our lives. He keeps us from stubbing our toes on life's obstacles. He keeps us from falling off of that path, being able to see where we're going. And by prayer and the study of his word, we receive this guidance so that we can live our lives to their greatest potential and to his glory. Psalm 119 also says, That the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. In Colossians, it says that Christ, in Christ, is hidden all the treasures of knowledge and wisdom. Through our relationship with Christ, we gain understanding and receive wisdom from God. We begin to understand scriptures more and how they can be applied to our daily lives, and we gain more wisdom in how we approach situations in accordance with God's will. This light also comforts us. Psalm 27 says that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? In the Lord of the Rings... Frodo is given a light of a star. Yeah, you knew it was coming. (laughs) Frodo is given a light of a star by uh, the elf queen Galadriel, which she says, may it be a light for you in dark places when all other lights go out. And at one point, while he's traveling through this dark cave and he is being hunted by a giant spider, he pulls out this light and its brightness repels the darkness and scares back the monster from its blinding light. And this light we receive from Jesus shines through us and gives us comfort when everything seems dark. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. His light is the assurance of God's love and commitment towards us, that he is with us. Finally, his light brings life. John chapter 1 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Just as plants need the light of the sun to live, we need the light that comes from Jesus to live. In a world that has fallen into sin and death, his light shines forth from the cross, giving everlasting life to those who were dead to sin. By reflecting the light of Jesus, we can bring this light to others. When Jesus says that you are the light of the world, he, he then says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. 
When we reflect this glory of Jesus before others, we can help them receive guidance, comfort, and understanding, and life. By reflecting his love, we show them who he is. Second Corinthians says that God comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those in any affliction. We are called not only to receive this light, but to shine his love and glory into the darkness of the world. To illuminate the truth of who Christ is as the light of the world. To do good works of love and charity. To bring comfort to those who are suffering in body, mind, and spirit. To seek the truth and understanding. And to guide others who feel lost by showing them the truth that is in Jesus Christ. There's a story that uh, we sometimes tell at work uh, that, that we like to use that's about this village. This village where a wise old man lives. And people from all over the village would come to him. And even people from outside of the town would come in to, to see him because he's so wise. He always had the right answers when people needed them. There are these two boys inside the village who are thinking, you know what? I got an idea for a prank. He tells his friend, okay, we're going to make him answer a question wrong. We're going to prove him wrong this time. So I got an idea. So they capture a bird. He takes it into his hands. And he says, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to his door. I'm going to ask him, what do I have in my hand? If he guesses right that it's a bird, next we'll ask him, is it alive? Or is it dead? If he says dead, we'll let it go. And he's wrong. If he says it's alive, we'll crush it. And he'll be wrong. Win-win, right? So, they go and take this bird. They take it to his house. They knock on the door. And he comes out and they say, Oh, wise man, what do I have in my hand? he says, my child, that is a bird in your hand. And they say, okay. Is it alive or is it dead? And the old man thinks for a moment. He stares at them and he says, my child, the answer to that lies in your hands. <laughs> so this light that has come to this world shines out into the darkness. And those of us who know and love Christ and have seen this glory carry this light with us. So what will you do with it? Will you keep it hidden away to yourself, this knowledge of life and truth? Or will you let his light shine through you into the world? Let's pray. Jesus, you are the light of the world. We ask that your light would shine in us and out into the darkness and that we would bring this light to others, those who are suffering in darkness and who are lost, that we would show them your love and your glory and bring them into your light. We ask this 
in your name. Amen.